Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a uh, Dave Ramsey local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leopard. I'm financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Beautiful day today, guys. Yeah. It glad is to, a great day. Glad to have you joining us. Glad yeah, we are. <laughs> We're excited to have you listen to us as well on the our weekly radio show. We're right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. Uh, you can also go to the dial, 1230 a.m. if you're driving around or just hanging out and have uh, have some time to listen to us or the podcast. You want to have, get a lot of good feedback on the podcast. If you miss a show, you want to go back and re-listen to a segment, you can go to the moneymd.net. We have a link on the right-hand side that will take you directly to the podcast site. Yeah, do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can email us your questions there. You can link to us right there, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, guys, I think we have a great show lineup for today, as usual. Um, we're going to start off with the six ways to doom your retirement. We hate to be a yeah. Debbie Downer here, but, you know, retirement can be precarious. You have to be careful. Mm-hmm. There are some ways that... That you can spoil it. And uh, so we're going to tell you the ways to look out for so that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, and we're going to follow that up with a um, a pretty interesting story about how a lottery winner blew about $10 million in less than 10 years. Ouch. And um, we hear those stories a lot. And so we're going to also give you some tips on making sure you don't squander um, a financial windfall, and that financial windfall may come from maybe it's a settlement, maybe it's uh, life insurance, uh, inheritance, and so forth. But we're going to give you a specific story of um, how not to do it. Well, you know, it, it could start by buying uh, two large ticket items at some of these big box stores. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we're going to be talking <laughs> about on the last section here, things not to buy at the big box home improvement stores. Uh, some pretty good tips here. Yeah, yeah, those aren't always the lowest price not always. places that's to buy. Right. So, uh, and, yeah, that'll be a good one. You know, like you talk about all the time, Kathy is our uh, resident shopping ninja, as she, I refer to her. She is you an know, expert. She is a great shopper, so uh, she always gives us some good tips as well. Yeah, true that. Okay, and that leads us up here, though, to our financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the uh, Social Security Administration, and about um, about 35 to 40% of Americans elect to take their Social Security retirement benefits at the age of 62. Now, that's the earliest age that you can access those benefits, but, you know, it comes with a price. There is a permanent 25% discount if you take it at age 62. So in some cases, you know, we do Social Security planning and help our clients 
look at that. In some cases, it makes sense. Someone does need the income. Uh, you may look at health and so forth and say, hey, I want to take it early. But, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, every year that you wait, it's another 8% on top of that. So it may make sense for you to delay taking it until your full retirement age, and some people even maybe to age 70. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you need the income, then then that's fine. You know, take it early, obviously. Uh, but if you can wait, it's a good deal with today's life expectancies because, you know, when they did those calculations initially for Social Security and the discounts, it was based on life expectancy of about 81. Mm-hmm. That's about the break-even yeah, point actuarially. Today, the average male lives to about 84, average woman to about 87 right. once you hit retirement. So, you know, consider that. It's a good deal if you can delay taking Social Security to yeah. your 66 or even 70. And it also protects the spouse, too. If you have one spouse that has a much higher exactly. you know, income historically, it can protect the other one because the, the spouse that is still living gets a higher of the two. So exactly. a couple different ways to look at it. Exactly. Okay. Great financial fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the six ways to doom your retirement. Ooh, doom and gloom here. <laughs> doom, now, doom, yeah, doom. We're, we're, to flip that around, the six things to avoid so you have a wonderful retirement. There you go. That's what we're really talking about here. But, uh, yeah, this is based on an article out of Kiplinger's, a uh, very recent article here. You know, retirement, though, is a major milestone, and, and it's an accomplishment that brings with it a lot of exciting life changes and opportunities. Um, however, there are some ways that it can go very wrong, not the least of which is running out of money. According to a recent survey from Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies, the most frequently reported retirement worry is outliving your retirement savings. Across all ages, 44% of respondents cited that concern as their top worry in retirement. Additionally, another 47% of retirees don't think they built a large enough nest egg to last them through retirement. So that's a very serious concern, and that's what we're going to talk about here, how to avoid running out of money. You know, now's the time to face your fears and to make sure that you avoid these pitfalls that could lead you to go broke in retirement. Most of these uh, can be averted with just careful planning. There are some that are out of your control, but you simply need to have some contingency plans. That's the key to avoiding these pitfalls in retirement. So we're going to talk about the first one here, and that is the, the first way to, to be certain that you're going to mess up your retirement is to abandon stocks in, the most, ca- in most cases. Yeah. I mean, some people have enough. Mm-hmm. They don't need stocks. They can be in fixed income, but that's rare. Most people... They need the return that stocks can provide. And it's true. Stocks can be risky. The market alone, we've seen a lot of volatility recently with the S&P 500 and the Dow up and down. You know, we've been through corrections here, you know, in recent years. And and so you have to expect that. I mean, we've experienced that. So once you're retired, you might be inclined to move your money out of stocks altogether and instead focusing on preserving your wealth and fixed income, only earning 1% to 3%. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, you got to avoid that temptation. And that probably would be a mistake. I mean, without stocks, you, you really don't get the growth that you need. I mean, you need your money to continue to grow for those 20 or 30 years of retirement. And and so, you know, we recommend maintaining a stock allocation anywhere between 20 to 60% during retirement um, of your portfolio. So that helps you to outpace inflation. It also helps you to generate the money uh, that you need to maintain your lifestyle. And the exact allocation obviously depends on your specific situation, uh, how much money 
money you know you need, how much return you need, um, you know, making sure that the exposure to stocks is able to create the income uh, that you need for retirement. And part of it is like you, we mentioned is is battling inflation. I mean, that's a big piece of this. That's exactly right. So you don't want to abandon stocks. Um, big mistake number two is you bankroll your kids. Now we see this way too many times. You know, it's a mistake that's made out of love. Uh, it's a mistake, though, all the same. You may feel obligated to assist your children financially, pay for college, contributing maybe to a down payment on the first home, you know, covering them in emergencies, for example. But doing so at the expense of your retirement security can lead to much bigger problems, both for you and for your kids in the long run, you know, not to mention enabling them to prolong their irresponsible behavior. Ouch. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, it may sound awful to think that a parent won't help their children, but if you fall into this trap, I mean, you could potentially drag, be a drag on your kids if you run out of money down the road. Um, Your kids, they have a lifetime to recover and to get ahead, to pay down debt, but you're not going to have those same options in retirement. So make sure that your retirement is well covered before you start handing out money to your adult kids. No, that, so, that is a good point. You know, and another one that we should consider uh, as we get older is our health. You know, as everyone ages, you know, your health deteriorates some, whether you like it or not. That's just a part of life. And and it's expensive to find proper health care. According to um, a 2015 uh, report done by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, a 65-year-old man would need to save $68,000 just in order to uh, cover 50% uh, of his health care expenses in retirement. Now, that's excluding long-term care uh, that aren't covered by Medicare or private insurance. In order for him to uh, to cover 90% of that or to have a 90% chance of covering those expenses, he would have to save $124,000. So there's a lot of, you know, out-of-pocket expenses yeah. over the course of retirement that you need to plan for and look, you know, look out for as well. And that's for one person. That's just for one person. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, getting sick in retirement or, or, you know, medical expenses can certainly be one of the items that derails your retirement. So that's number three. Yeah, and the news is even worse for a 65-year-old woman who would need to save, like, almost 90000 to about 140000 respectively, in retirement to be able to uh, cover those expenses. So be sure you're doing all you can to cut health care costs in retirement by considering maybe – getting a supplemental Medigap policy, um, a Medicare Advantage plan can also provide that more comprehensive coverage, and review your options every year to make sure you have adequate coverage for medical care during retirement. Long-term care also bumps up the billion more. I mean, for example, the annual median cost for a private room in a nursing home is about $91,000 a year, according to Genworth. Um, it's no wonder at 44% of retirees, they fear declining health that requires long-term care and, and you know, as one of the major pitfalls um, and potential things in retirement that can derail their retirement. 31% fear uh, cognitive decline like dementia and Alzheimer's. So consider getting long-term care insurance to help cover those costs in retirement and, and use these tactics to make sure that it's affordable whenever you get into uh, 
retirement as well. Okay, we'll continue the discussion when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the six ways to doom your retirement. Don't do these. Don't do these. Yeah, you don't want to doom your (laughs) retirement. I mean, on the flip side, you know, these are six things to avoid so you can have a stupendous retirement. Stupendous? Stupendous, Stupendous. yeah. yeah. We're going to give you the Barney word here. Stupendous. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can have a wonderful retirement, but there are some pitfalls you have to look out for and you have to avoid that can derail what should be a your golden years. Um, and we talked about a few of them here. I mean, we talked about you don't want to abandon stocks completely. If you need to beat inflation, which most people do, you need some stocks in your portfolio to do that. Um, so don't totally abandon stocks. Don't get scared out of the market. You know, get a risk level that you can that you can live with and and you're comfortable with. Diversify. You don't want to bankroll your kids. We see people do that all the time. You cannot impoverish yourself in retirement for the sake of bailing your kids out or for helping them. You know, I mean, they have a whole lifetime to get on their feet. And, you know, once they're on their own, they need to be on their own. And, and you're, you helping them needs to be the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, you can get a loan for college, but you can't get one for retirement. Exactly. That's what it boils so, down to. So don't bankroll the kids and enable their, you know, irresponsible behavior if that's what's going on. And then, you know, the third one here is you can get sick. You know, you can have huge medical bills. So you have to prepare for that. You have to have contingency plans. you got to have some good coverage. You probably need a Medigap uh, policy if you don't have any private insurance going into retirement. Um, You know, you just need to make sure you're well covered in terms of medical expenses in retirement. So that was number three. So the fourth one here on the list, though, is you live too long. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's a good thing. That's I mean, a good thing. It's a good thing. And you don't really live too long. It's you didn't quite plan, you know, well enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's an old joke in the financial planning profession that there's nothing wrong with your financial plan. You simply live too long. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's awful. <laughs> it is awful. It's a cynical truth that it's a very bad thing to have too much life left at the end of your money. At the end of your money. Exactly. You don't want to be in that situation. I mean, current retirees, they're expecting a long retirement, medium of 28 years, according to Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies. And 41% of retirees expect their retirements to go on for more than three decades. I mean, women, they have to plan for even a longer life. According to the Social Security Administration, a 65-year-old woman can expect to live to about age 87 Whereas a 65-year-old man can expect to live to about age, age 84, as I mentioned earlier. And my grandmother's 100 years old. She'll be 101 pretty soon. And, you know, you know it's, wow, it's time not, keeps on ticking. It's not that uncommon. I yeah. mean, there are a lot of millenniums or whatever you call them. Centurions. centurions, centurions that's right. Yeah, out there, you know, that live over 100 now. And so you don't know how long you got to plan for. 
but you know you you might need to plan for a very long retirement so you don't want to have too much life left in into your money as they say when saving for retirement plan for a long life but it starts but if it starts to look like your nest egg is going to come up short you have to adjust your budget i mean for example you know you might behoove you to downsize your home or relocate to an area with lower taxes, lower cost of living. You might even consider finding ways to pull in some extra income, such as starting an encore career, you know, in retirement, doing something part-time, maybe taking a part-time job, um, cashing in on the economy, maybe renting out a a room in your house uh, if you can. You might take out a reverse mortgage if push comes to shove. I mean, that's kind of a last resort. We don't really favor those, but having said that, it is a way to draw additional income in retirement out of your ha- out of your home. So, But you need to make a plan, and you need to do it before you run out of money. Update your retirement projections every few years. Start cutting back when it starts to look questionable. It's better to live off less than it is to having to depend on others or only your Social Security when you get in the home stretch of retirement. Yeah, that's where the, the planning really comes into play. Exactly. Got to make sure you're doing that. The next one here on the list is, is you spend too much. I mean, that can certainly uh, doom and gloom a retirement. And it seems, might seem obvious, but most of us, retired or not, are guilty of making this mistake and probably could uh, benefit from a reminder just to try to reel that in. In fact, according to an employee benefit research institute, nearly 46% of retired households they spend more annually in the first two years of retirement than they did just before retiring. So they have a, a spending spree, uh, a binge, if you will. Um, so you got to be careful with that. Yeah, that can definitely happen. And retirees on a fixed income, they're particularly vulnerable to the ill effects of committing this error. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes for very successful people is that they continue to spend the way they did in their earning years after they retire without taking a close look at their current income and what they really can afford. You know, there aren't many retirees that can afford to continue to spend like they have a six-figure income in retirement. So, I mean, it's hard to imagine a more important time for budgeting than retirement. So be careful of that. Make sure you have a budget when you get in retirement and you don't spend too much, particularly those first few years of retirement. People can tend to really hit it really hard. Um, The last one here on the list is... You have to retire. You have to totally retire early. Um, this is another good reason for needing plenty of savings and multiple streams of income to support you in retirement. You can't count on being able to bring in a paycheck when you need it or if you need it. While 51% of workers, they expect to continue working some in retirement, it turns out only 6% of retirees report actually working as a source of income in retirement. So, you know, don't plan on working part-time. You, you may not be able to. No, that's true. And, and you know, it's, that decision is not always up to you. Um, in fact, 60% of retirees that left the workforce earlier uh, than they planned um, did so because of employment-related issues, such as reorganization, you know, um, downsizing. They lost their jobs, or some of them took, you know, early packages, buyouts, such as, you know, we see quite a bit uh, around here. And then they also had health-related issues, either their own ill health or someone that they loved. Um, That accounted for about 37% of people who had to leave the workforce early. You know, only 16%, Steve, only 16% of people actually retired because they felt like they could afford it. Yeah. You know, early. And, you know, that's a very low percentage. There. It is. So it's, a, it's not always in your control. 
It's a sad statistic, but it is true. So you need to plan early to have plenty of retirement. Have some contingency plans if you get laid off early or can't work part-time. That's right. Like you're planning on it. So the conclusions here are, you I mean, golden years are supposed to be just that. They're supposed to be golden. Don't let poor planning and un- unfortunate turn of events ruin what could have been a wonderful retirement. If you plan early, make adjustments before something turns into retirement crisis, you can probably avoid these problems and have a relaxing retirement that you deserve after working and saving all of those years. If you need a checkup, make sure you're still on track to face one of these possible pitfalls. Then give us a call. We'd love to help you. So, uh, yeah, reach out to the Money Doctors, and we can give you a checkup and make sure you're Mm going to avoid these pitfalls in retirement. All right, and that leads us up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with life insurance and do I need life insurance in retirement? And guys, I had a meeting with a um, young lady this um, this last week, and we we kind of dove into her financial situation, and and she ended up having a lot of life insurance. She had group policies, both her and her husband. She had policies on the outside. Some of them were term, uh, some of them were whole life, and it was just. It was very um, wow. confusing. She actually had homework to, to go and actually give me a list of the premium she was paying, the coverage, and so forth. And so the conversation with her was when you do retire, you know, they've done a nice job saving, um, having everything paid off, you're probably self-insured. And in, in, in most people's cases, you can make a justification of not having additional life insurance or life insurance in retirement. A couple cases that you would if you have um, debt. Um, you know, maybe have a mortgage that you still have, that would be a, a reason to have life insurance. But for the most part, you know, most people we look at, um, we try to get them to be debt-free going into retirement, and then they don't need life insurance. They're, they're, they've saved enough that they're self-insured. Yeah, I mean, life insurance policies, you know, they can be a good investment, um, particularly if you have an old policy that's paying a good dividend and, and you know, is, is paid up, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, don't keep a life insurance policy just because you paid premiums for all those years. I mean, look at it in retirement. Figure out, one, do you need the coverage? Two, is it a good investment between now and the end of life for your for your heirs, for your kids? Um, does it make sense for your survivors, the, the premiums you're going to pay between now and your life expectancy and the death benefit that you're going to get? You can run a present value calculation, at least we can, um, when we look at a policy and analyze it. We run a present value calculation on the the present value of all the future premiums and compare that to the present value of the death benefit. Mm -hmm. If the death benefit's higher, great, keep the policy. If the premiums are higher, then get rid of the policy. It's really that simple when it comes from an estate planning perspective. Sure. So there are ways to analyze a policy. Be happy to do that for you know any listeners out there. So give us a call if you have an old policy that you want us to take a look at. Yeah, and I mean the first step is getting organized. I mean making sure right. you understand the different pieces of the puzzle. And um, her husband had some some health issues, so um, probably makes sense to keep some of his policies. It was a reasonable premium, but the first step is getting a snapshot and understanding what you have. That's right. You know from a policy standpoint, and then looking at your debts and looking at you know they're going to have pensions and so forth. So they're going to they're going to do okay in retirement and they're probably not going to need you know a lot of the insurance they have but um definitely it's a a good question that uh, that was asked that's a great question okay that leads up to our break here but if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call regular business hours at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages and Thank you. 
back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Rich Young Associates, along with us. And we are going to um, lead off our next segment here with a new topic, and that is a look at how one lottery winner basically blew through $10 million mm-hmm. in less than a decade. Yeah. Sad. And and then how to avoid that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the ways to avoid you having a lump sum, you right. know, windfall and the chance, evaporate. And the chances of winning $10 million are, you know, next to nil. But you know, people do receive inheritances, life insurance, they, you know, 200, 500, you know, 100,000, 50, you know, whatever that number is. There's some there's some lessons to be learned in this, and this is a you know huge number. Um, this lady um, Sharon uh, Tirabasi uh, won. She was from Hamilton in Ontario. She won like ten million dollars out of a lottery, and um, you know she cashed a check um, for ten thousand ten million five hundred point five ten point five million. Yeah. Man, huge and. You know, today, after spending almost all of her winnings, she spent it on big houses, cars, designer clothes. She had lavish parties, a lot of trips, handout to families. You know, she's back to working. She's in the working class. I mean, she's riding the bus. She's working part-time. She's living in a rented house. And, you know, what remains of her windfall is in a trust. They don't say how much is in there for her six children um so that money will become available to them at 26 hopefully she took a chunk of that and put it aside but man it sounds like she she went on a spending spree i don't think she's got any of it i mean crap i was reading that and i was like and she lost the house too yeah you gotta be kidding me everything you know you didn't even pay cash for a house that you could keep i mean apparently she paid cash for the house but then she then she ended up you know having to sell it too i guess maybe taxes you know I don't know. I mean, man, what a disaster. Yeah, I mean, she said the moment she got it, I divided among family members. She said she gave a million dollars to her parents, $1.75 million to her four siblings. So she was generous with others, too. She bought a house, buying houses for them, um, renting out to for at low rates to people, paying people's rent, offering loans for bail. In business ventures, you know, it says a lot about a person if you have to bail your friends out of jail. Mm. Yeah. There's a problem right there, okay? <laughs> you can start flag. right there. If you got to bail your friends out of jail, you got the wrong friends, partner. So, yeah, ouch. I mean, so now it's it's back to life, she says. Yeah, after, it was after all that spending. Fun at the beginning. Obviously, she had vacations all over the world, um, Caribbean. She had Hummers, Mustangs, um, you know, custom Cadillac Escalade. You know, a lot of you know, living large, really, and and we we've got some tips here that you're going to want to stick around for that it can help you manage this. Well, and here's here's part of the issue. You know, she was a single mother, and not trying to make excuses for, yeah. her, but you know, putting it in context, single mother. She was recently off welfare and newly employed as a personal care provider. Uh, whenever she struck it rich, um, as a teenager, you know, she she grew up in a very tumultuous environment and when she got all this money it didn't come with instructions yeah you know she didn't hire a financial advisor there was she, a mistake that was a huge mistake mm-hmm. you know she didn't she didn't <laughs> seek wise counsel that's you know right. that that's the bottom line here is that uh it's very challenging for anyone to come into that amount of money and not really you know get some wise counsel in order to make it sustainable 
Yeah, you got to surround yourself with smart people. Yeah, you really do. You need you need some counsel on that. Her, it goes on to say her husband, uh, who had three kids that brought you know he brought to the marriage. Um, you know he was he lived simply before, wasn't used to being rich. He recalled the post winning, um, you know how they they suddenly had a lot of friends that were popping up through the uh, the woodwork and they came asking for favors and then they would disappear. And he he says, which is this hits the nail on the head. Money doesn't buy you happiness. I mean, it, it actually caused her a lot of headaches and his wife said um you know he had a hard time saying no um to those that were in need and um so this experience is different they go on to talk about another another person here um that had a little bit different experience and some some good things here but there are ways to handle this situation yeah i mean in contrast uh there was this woman sandra hayes who pocketed around six million dollars when she and a dozen co-workers split the $224 million Powerbot, Powerball jackpot in 2006. and uh, Wow, and yeah, that, that, that was a different story. You know, um, like the other lady, Hayes, she went on, you know, she went on a small sp- spending spree, including, you know, boats and lavish cars, um, just as before. But, you know, she also paid off her mortgage, her student loans, and she was very leery and very, very cautious about, uh, you know, the handouts to friends and relatives. You know, today, Hayes, she lives comfortably, but not extravagantly. So a lot of times it's in the approach. Uh, that that people take, and you can also look at the way people handle their money before mm-hmm. they come into money. Yeah, that's going to say a lot about the way they're going to handle it afterwards. Yeah, she said she loves a good deal. She's on a budget. Um, she's not trying to live above her means. She has a warning to the newly rich: if you're not disciplined, you'll go broke. And uh, it doesn't really matter how much money that you have. And, and guys, you know, you see the stories and um, about professional athletes all the time. How they live large, and you know, yep. they make millions of dollars, and some of them are tens of millions, and you know, they have their posse with them and so forth and spend it down. There, there's a great story about a, a gentleman named Brandon Broyles um, who, who was a receiver for the Detroit Lions and he lived on $60,000 a year. Hmm. Okay, And he was making uh, over $600,000 a year I think about a million dollars at one time. Nice. But he had set himself on a budget and, and that's, you know, he said football's not going to last forever. Yeah. So he planned that way and he is a great example of uh, of how you know people can make it like that whenever they set a plan in motion. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So here are six tips. We're going to kind of talk through these a little bit, and Steve Steve's had some experience in some of this, and we'll let him share it at the end. But um, the first thing is when you receive a large sum of money. I mean, I don't care if it's twenty thousand, two hundred, two million. Just don't do anything for a while. You let know? it rest. That's yes. right. Put it in a bank. Leave it sitting there. Uh, you don't have to tell anybody about it, but just you know, figure out. And when I say a while, I'd probably say three to six months until everything clears, um, and you 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 know you can get some counsel from people. But don't go and make rash purchases or decisions. Yeah, I would say even you know even a year. I mean, you know, let the dust settle. Um, you know, get in a good place. Get some wise counsel. Like you said, sit down with a you know financial planner, draw up a plan. You know, have a plan for that money. What that money can do for you the mm-hmm. rest of your life. You know, have your long term goals and and set yourself up so that that money is supporting those long term goals. Don't go out and immediately just go get your your five top wants. Yeah, 
You know, I mean, everybody has those, but those are fleeting. I mean, put it in context. You can spend some, enjoy it, but put it in context of the big picture and your long-term goals. And that's number two is, is um, it says, enjoy yourself within reasonable boundaries. So take maybe 5% of it. So if you get a million dollars, it's 50 grand, go go do whatever you want to with it. It's not going to really move the needle that much. If you set some boundaries on there, go do go buy a car, go take a trip, whatever. But, you know, other than that, you need to let it sit for a period of but time. defining those boundaries are super important. Some people, they don't even know what those boundaries look like, John. And so that, that's like you said. You, you just said 5%. Yeah. So whether that's 5% or 7% or whatever, put put some boundaries on that. Yeah. And number three here on the list of the, the ways to avoid squandering a financial windfall is put your financial windfall into perspective. And I think you just mentioned it. When you do a plan and you can put that in perspective and say, you know, all right, all right I'm 26 years old. I've got $2 million. That's a lot, but you can blow through that very quickly if you don't, you know, put yourself on a budget and plan out for the future. Yeah. Or it can change your life. I mean, that $2 million Mm -hmm. can be $10 million, you know, when you're 60, you know, and it can enable you and your family and your kids to do things you never could have dreamed of, you know, and and enable you to to help out others and charity and family members. But the money has to work for you, right? I mean, you can't just take that $2 million and start slicing and dicing it from day one and expect what's left to do much for you. You got to have a plan. You got to you need to see you need to have projections and see how it's going to grow and see how it's going to support your really long-term goals. Yeah, that's right. Number 4 here on the list is is to set up a separate account. Um, it basically says put this money in a separate account, um, you know, away from your other money that you're that you're spending, you know, checking savings account and it's a way to keep track of it and make sure that you're not um, you know, blowing it as you go through this process. Number 5 on the list which we talked about is, is get professional tax and financial advice. I mean, I think, and exactly. I'd probably throw an uh, you know, attorney. attorney in there, depending right. on the amount. Um, yeah, I think you're, there's, you know, there's a, it's, it's very complex um, handling money and, and um, you know, working with the money doctors or someone else out in the community to sit down and give you some advice and some background is, um, you know, that'd be the number one step for me. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, you got to surround yourself with smart people, you know, and listen to their advice, and not just, not just, uh, just pander to your wishes. Um, you just, it just, it, it, wise counsel is very, very important, right? I mean, there's the Bible talks about that, right? You got to seek wise counsel, and when you're talking about money, it is no different. You can't know all the things you need to know, and you can't do the kind of planning you need to do to to be successful with your money. So and, you know. Please do that. And, and don't go to your broke uncle no. <laughs> asking for some wise financial advice. Yeah, we've, we've got uh, one more to cover, and we'll catch that after the break. And, Steve, you can share your experience with this. All right. Sounds good. So if you have questions, though, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call during regular business hours, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is a financial advisor at Richard Young Associates, along with us. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about 
what to do when you have a windfall. And, you know, we told the story about the, the lady that blew $10 million bucks that she won in uh, the lottery, and mm-hmm. now we're looking at the other side of the equation. What do you do when you do get a windfall? How can you be successful and avoid those pitfalls? Yeah, the first one we talked about is do nothing. Just, just let it set rest. it aside. Yeah. You know, don't don't make any rash decisions. If you do have to make a rash decision, do it with a very small percent. If you feel like, hey, I want to go buy a car, do a vacation, limit it to five percent of the total. I mean, kind of set some boundaries on on top of that. Then you also have to put your pers- you know, the windfall in perspective. I mean, you know, is it is it fifty thousand? Is it five hundred? Is it five million? And that really talks about planning. And, and if you're young, you know, five million dollars, you can blow through that in ten years easy if you don't watch it. Or that can be a legacy for your kids and grandkids. So got to make sure you put that in perspective. Have a separate account that you put this in that you can track your spending. Um, the fifth one on the list was get professional advice, tax, financial, uh, maybe uh, a lawyer involved. You need to get some professional people on your team that have dealt with that before to give you good, solid advice. And the last one here on the list that we didn't talk about was, and this may be the most important one, put a buffer between you and family and friends. Like you were saying, you know, your broke uncle giving you advice and needing money and loaning money. You've got to have some boundaries and some restrictions on that. And really, your your professional team can help you with those boundaries. They can connect as a buffer. They can yeah, they can act as a gatekeeper. So, you know, if you do have questions on this, um, you know, we've been through this. We've had personal experience. I've had clients that have inherited money from their parents or life insurance. And Steve, you had a story as well that you were going to share. Yeah, we've we've had you know seen a lot of examples of this over the years and a couple. Couple of them stand out. I mean, one of them I had a client that won a half million dollars in the lottery. That's kind of unusual, and uh, you know, but he didn't do too bad with it. He did a pretty good job. He, he did show up in a new Corvette though the next day. Uh, <laughs> at least it wasn't the Maserati, <laughs> right? Yeah. right. No thing was gone. <laughs> but it was a lease Corvette, and I don't think he kept that too long. Um, and he invested the money, and it, it has made a big difference for his family. You know, over the years. Um, but you know, I had another example where a young lady. Um, got injured. Uh, she got a, a settlement, big chunk of money, um, half million dollars for a very young lady, um, and unfortunately, it didn't go well. You know that the, the the judge that you know did the settlement, he predicted it, I think, accurately. When basically he he predicted she was going to blow it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just what happens when people that are very very young get an uncontrolled by my money and they're not used to it and their family's not used to that kind of money so sure enough you know it was it was it was parents even their parents were hitting her up and her family and friends and everybody and you know she she went through that half million dollars in no time i mean it wasn't it could have been five years i I can't remember exactly but that money was gone and you know this young lady didn't didn't finish school to my knowledge um you know, college like she was planning on it, and it 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 did not. To from my perspective, it hurt her life, didn't help her life. Mm-hmm. That's so unfortunate. You don't want that to happen. So you just got to avoid, you know, the the pitfalls with that, and just surround yourself with smart people. And in her case, I gave her a lot of counsel, but she simply didn't follow it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. some, sometimes you actually need some constraints. Yeah, you need right. Thing, some walls built up between your emotions and mm-hmm. and doing the wrong thing. Very good. All right. And that leads us up here, though, to our prescription of the week. Yeah, this prescription has to do with um, your pay stub. Have you looked at it lately? A lot of people, you know, they get paid. Everything's electronic. They don't even look at the stub and look to see what's been taken out. That's right. What's coming out? What what are those line items? Yeah. Do I need them? 
That's right. You know, I yeah, mean, are there maybe. better places or, you know, can you get some of the, you know, some of the benefits outside, you know, like life insurance and so forth. So make sure you look at your pay stub. You understand. Call your HR department up if you don't. I mean, that's that's a deduction from your income. you got to understand it. Yeah, exactly. That's a great prescription of the week because, you know, a lot of times people have insurance or something, some annuity or something they're paying for that's coming directly out of their paycheck and they don't need it or it's not a good deal anymore. So pay attention to those things coming out of your paycheck. Okay, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that was the things not to buy at a big box home improvement store. Now you're you're speaking my language here. I love the big box <laughs> home improvement stores. Oh, okay, yeah. I sure. love them, but it makes some good points here. Maybe you don't want to buy everything there. That, that, that's right. And really, what it comes down to, I mean, is it's marketing, man. Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey he talks about this all the time. And Dave Dave is a good marketer. All right, but uh, it's, it's positioning and the convenience of a lot of these items uh, and the placement of them throughout the store that just makes it easy, you know, to grab either right there at the register as you're checking out, or um, you're there picking up other items. So hey, why don't we why don't we grab this cleaning supply or you know these batteries or something else? But we're going to touch on a couple of items here that you know you really want to try to avoid buying from the big box store if you can help it. Um, you know, home improvement projects, they're, they're right here. It's that time of season. Uh, do you guys have any home improvement projects that you're, that oh. you're kind of looking at? I mean, Steve, you've always All the got time. Yeah. a project. It's, you know? it's my hobby, it's, home it's improvement. forever ongoing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know? When you have a house, yes. So there, there's <laughs> always something going on. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't always pick certain items up, you know, at those big box stores like we mentioned. You know, in general, the big box uh, stores that specialize in home improvements, they're great resources to save a lot of money on the big ticket items, uh, especially, you know, like appliances, lawn and garden equipment. I know, uh, Steve, you, you enjoy that. Yeah. And, you know, the, the remodeling products and different things that we need. Um, but the salespeople, you know, they have this, this specialty knowledge. They can be very helpful. Uh, and they have a lot of selections over, you know, certain items in these stores. Uh, and oftentimes these prices, they're unbeatable. You can't hardly find any lower prices, you know, at Walmart or Target uh, or even online. But, you know, there there are some places that you can uh, if, you do, if you're willing to do a little legwork. That's right, Steve. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the first thing you want to check for is rebates. There are hidden rebates on their websites. If you do some research on the competition's pricings, you might find it at a better price. The customer service people at these big box stores will often beat. They, they have the big price, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the price wars. guarantee, you know, where yeah. they'll match the price plus 10% sometimes yeah. at these big box stores. So you want to make sure you take advantage of that. Read the fine print. But it's certainly worth asking about the, the price guarantee and checking around. And today, you can do it with your iPhone. Oh, yeah. Just I mean, pull up your iPhone, pull up Lowe's, Home Depot, compare them to each other, get the lower price, go show the lady at the register, and boom, 10%. Yeah. That's Make right. it easy. Don't and don't just assume that the big home improvement stores are your best bet. You know, don't forget that your local hardware stores. Uh, you know, shop local. Uh, sometimes they'll even match the prices if you ask them. Uh, and they they often carry a discounted line of goods or a generic line. You know, that can compete with some of the larger improvement stores. Um, plus, you know, sh- shopping locally, kind of keeping the little guy uh, in the loop. That's that's always nice if you can do that. Um, and there, there's several other things that need to be considered uh, and that we need to look at that you can often find better buys uh, elsewhere. What are those, John? Yeah, one I'm on the list is cleaning supplies. I mean, it may be tempting to impulse, you know, purchase cleaning 
cleaning supplies while you're picking up some nails or paint. Um, but, you know, you got to be cautious with that. That's one of those items that you're probably going to pay 5 to 10% more uh, for a brand-name cleaning product versus going to a Target or a Walmart and picking up a generic alternative. So that's one of the things you may want to, you know, skip. Yeah, another one is home imp- home decor, okay? I mean, while home decor certainly sounds like it's related to home improvement, right? <laughs> so you think you go to a home improvement store, that'd be a place to buy it, right? Well, not exactly. Not necessarily. You know, rugs, furniture, picture, fr- picture frames, wall art, they're in limited quantities. They're cheap, typically cheap quality. Um, the price is not necessarily cheap at the big home improvement stores unless they're on clearance. And uh, they tend to be basic. They tend to be limited in style and selection as well. So you might want to shop elsewhere for for home decor items. Yeah, for example, like uh, they, they compared one um, piece of art that was the same print and everything, and it was $31 at a, at a large box store. And then they found the same one uh, for like $22 at a smaller retail store. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. Big difference. Uh, then, you know, talking about appliances, you know, sometimes you can find small appliances while, you know, while they are at the sales improve or excuse me, at the home improvement stores. Um, that's not always the best place to find them. You know, you, you can usually find better deals at the smaller um at the smaller retail stores. Yeah, another one is grilling accessories. I mean, that's a fun one. I mean, I love buying oh, yeah. grill stuff. You know, I know we have actually bought that at um, the probably sure. Lowe's. But they say at TJ Maxx, home goods are, are uh, often you know better priced. And obviously, don't ever forget about Amazon. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't Amazon. forget about Amazon. You got to do Amazon. That's always oh, a, something. And then the gotta, last one there, Steve. If you got Amazon Prime, you can't beat that, baby. Two days. It's <laughs> on your doorstep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just hit the button, <laughs> and you'll get the best price, too, probably. I don't know, but do shop around for that. Batteries, another one. Yeah, don't forget about that. You know, you're walking out of the store. They have these big caches of batteries. Always. And this is an interesting one because I always thought they were probably a pretty good deal. They point out here, not necessarily. I mean, they put those up front by the cash register, and they know it's not a big-ticket item. You're going to shop around for it. You're paying a lot more at a big-box store. It can than literally be almost double. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Almost so double. So that's a good point. Don't be aware. buy batteries at the big box stores. Like I've it. made that mistake a bunch of times. Well, now you know. <laughs> so convenient. So good article. Okay. That brings us to a close this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. 